everybody. My name is Katie. I'm going to be the moderator tonight, and we're going to get started with our GMing 601 uh, Beyond D&D, &D, the wild world of um, other RPGs. Uh, so welcome. Thanks for coming. Just uh, a reminder to mute your mics. Uh, that would be really helpful to us. Um, also, we are going to be recording this session uh, to release it as a podcast later. So I just wanted to inform you about that. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ping me uh, about that later. Uh, if you have questions for our esteemed panelists, who I will introduce in a moment, please feel free to type them in the GM601 questions channel. Uh, we've already got a good list going there, and I will uh, raise your question to the panelists. And on what's going on, we also have a channel called Seminar Chat, so that's where you all can go edit um, and keep the conversation going while the panelists are talking and, and after we're done, of course. And I will say to our panelists, I will be draconian with the timer, so if you can uh, try to limit your responses to three minutes so we can get through as many of these questions as we possibly can in the hour that we have. Uh, so great. So uh, welcome again, and uh, I'll let each of our panelists introduce themselves. And I'll just ask, uh, I'll ask you to introduce yourselves by answering this question. And that question is, what motivated you to look outside of D&D &D into other RPG systems? Um, let's see, uh, Duan, would you go first? Sure, I can go first. Uh, so hi, I'm Duan. I guess to, to answer your question, um, what motivated me to go out uh, outside of D&D uh, &D was because I couldn't actually play D&D &D for a while, um, just because of the vagaries of my life. Uh, I the, the group I used to play with was a bunch of friends from university, and they all met in Toronto, and I was able to go down to Toronto no problem for a while until I had kids, and then I couldn't really be a part of that group anymore. So what I did instead was I just bought uh, uh, RPGs books and read them. So that um, gave me greater exposure to different different games. And that just led me to being interested in, in more than just the D&D sphere. sphere, I should say. Awesome. Thank you. Josh, would you go next? Hey, I'm Josh. Um, yeah, so I started with D&D in the 3.0 days, actually with Halton. Um, and yeah, it was great for a while. It really kind of hit those, those tropes and those themes that, uh, that I was really looking for to kind of capture that Lord of the Rings spirit. And, and really it still does, but I, I kind of was looking for different things. I was looking for, you know, at some point less heroics, um, a bit more realism, a little bit more, I guess, lethality. And, and there's certain things that, that D and D doesn't really handle too well. Plus, plus, as well, like I, I feel like there are just such better systems for games that play for horror, um, you know, sci-fi, that sort of thing. I really just wanted to to diversify myself and just really take a, a leap to try new things. So that's what got me into it. Thank you, Afghan. What about you? Hey, everyone. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I have been playing games pretty much for the most of my life. And uh, I started when I was pretty young with uh, some friends um, kind of locally. And my experience with games when I was really young 
um, were totally different than any kind of experiences that I've had now. And I look back to my experiences and think like, oh, they were so fun, like such an interesting, um, like stories that we came up with and how did we do it? And uh, so I found as I started uh, growing up and playing games as a teenager, um, I was never getting that same kind of experience. So um, I just stopped playing for a little while. And then I was actually at MAGFest, um, I think maybe 10 years ago. And I stumbled upon a, a panel that was actually called Beyond Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, yeah, the guys there were just super enthusiastic about all these different games and had a pretty good point about how Dungeons and Dragons might not um, do certain things very well and how other games can. And uh, yeah, just kind of fell down that rabbit hole. Awesome. So we'll get into uh, the questions that all the participants are uh, raising here in the chat. So the first question, and I'll throw this question uh, to Josh. What do you look for in a new system, whether you're wanting to buy it or to run it? At this point, my biggest thing that I'm looking for is to hit genres that I haven't quite hit yet. Um, so, for example, for high fantasy, I have Pathfinder for uh for sci-fi, stars without number, um, blue, 10 candles. Um, so right now, I'm just trying to fill the gaps. So I just picked up a Western system, which is something that's completely outside of my sphere of knowledge, uh, called Mud, Blood, and Glory. So that kind of hits those tropes. And I'm trying to kind of get a little bit of everything. Uh, so I can sort of, whatever type of game somebody wants to throw at me, I have the ability to kind of run and, and hit the notes that are looking to be hit at this point. Duan, do you have uh, anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I guess I could say that um, what I look for in in a new game is mostly whatever excites me, um, whatever excites me in the subject matter. And I'm a bit of, because I've, I've, I've had so, so much exposure to a, a wide variety of games, I, I'm a bit of a, a mechanics walk, and I like looking at how the mechanics um, affect uh, how the game plays. So um, I like looking at new ways of, of looking at a, a, a genre that, you know, you could do it in D&D and that has been done in D&D, but um, having something more specialized for it um, can be really interesting and make you look at things in a new way. Excellent. Half Dan, do you have anything you'd like to add about what you look for in a new system? For sure, yeah. So I definitely agree with uh, Duan. Um, in terms of, I find that mechanics are really what separates uh, one game from the other. It's it's really, um, one game can do things uh, a certain way, but you can add a setting uh, to that same game. And if the mechanics are exactly the same, then you get, you know, a different experience because it's a different setting. But um, the, the feel is, is still very similar. But when you start to really shift mechanics, that's... Um, Kind of where the really interesting change happens like the, it's uh, it feels like a totally different game if i can keep you on the hot seat for a second half dan uh the next question we have is what are some of the most unique mechanics in any system that you have run interesting um so i think for unique mechanics i would say something that that changes the the game kind of almost not away from an RPG, but uh, just changes instead of using dice, you might be using something like a Jenga tower in um, the game of Dread. Um, 13 candles 
is an interesting RPG that actually uses um, physical candles that you have on the table that kind of represent um, phases of the game. So as uh, something dramatic happens, a candle might be blown out. And it, it's like a physical representation of, of uh, things changing. So those are some of the kind of more extreme um, difference in mechanics. Duan, do you, uh, since you're interested in mechanics too, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that question? Well, I, would, I was going to say stuff that was a little bit more mundane, I think, which were more um, diceless things like uh, Nobilis and Amber um, and Chubot. But there's also, I remembered um, while Hathon was talking about a game called Skeletons, I think, where one of the mechanics is just you you, you play these um, skeletons that are um, uh, guarding a tomb. And as part of the game, um, because basically you wake up whenever people come into your tomb to steal stuff or whatever, and you're, you're, you're there to guard it. So part of the game is in every time when there's this time period where you're just um, in game, you should be like lying there for like a, a hundred years. You just, everyone just sits there for like a minute and you just wait. And that's supposed to simulate like, yeah, this is happening over a very long time and it's just very strange, right? So that was one, one that I, I could think of. We had a couple of questions um, about diceless game systems and a few examples here. Um, Hafton and uh, Duan, uh, you both mentioned a few diceless game systems. But Josh, what about you? What do you think about diceless systems? And we have a couple examples here in the chat. One person wanted to know about Amber diceless, and another person mentioned Everway. Interesting. I can't say that I've heard of either of them. But yeah, so example, Dread is very unique, like in the sense that it actually uses a Jenga tower uh, instead of dice, which I think is really really kind of cool and it truly lives up to its name um the first few turns are so easy but then getting later on everything is higher and higher risk it's a bit of a quirk uh definitely not a long-term thing but then you have systems like powered by the apocalypse which is diceless in the context of it being for gms which is awesome as well like i think that that's a really interesting mechanic uh i like the idea of diceless um I think I, I generally would stick with a dice-based system, but uh, but there's really nothing nothing wrong with that. I, I think RPGs are sort of anything that you want to make them point. So now that we've talked a little bit about mechanics, um, let's hear some of your favorite non-D&D settings and why they're some of your favorites. Um, Duan, do you want to kick this one off for us? Sure. Um... As far as settings go, um, I really liked the Exalted uh, setting, which is uh, from White Wolf, who, who most people might know, uh, made uh, the World of Darkness game. So Vampire the Masquerade uh, and Werewolf and games like that. They made their own take on um, fantasy games. And instead of going down the road of um, Tolkien, they, they went more uh, um, Howard, Ari Howard, and um, Chinese myth and, and um, epics in that thing. So it kind of draws on a different pool of things. So that, that setting is really great. Um, the, the mechanics might leave a little bit to be desired because it's kind of bolted onto uh, the actual 
vampire system, um, which was made for vampires and is changed to a game that is more is now supposed to be um, doing kung fu fighting. So it's not as great, but hey, <laughs> you can't win out, um, everything, right? Um, and there's like a number of games out there have their own settings that are just um, great and unique. And I mean, I could sit here and talk about it for, for a long time, but I only have three minutes. So um, give it up to somebody else. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll hear about more of these games in our other questions. What about you, Hafton? What's uh, some of your favorite non D&D settings and why? So I've got a bit of a guilty confession to make. Um, I'm not a big consumer of um, like setting material and uh, uh, source books, things like that. Um, I'm I'm a bigger fan of games that kind of let you just explore um, different uh, I, like uh, settings, kind of of your own making, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I guess in terms of like the, the cool settings that I, that I enjoy, I, I like the big names. So like alien, um, Cthulhu, stuff like that. Fun worlds to play around in for sure. What about you, Josh? Do you have a favorite non D and D setting? And maybe I'll say a favorite non D and D or Pathfinder setting. Yeah. I was just going to say Galarian, I think really hits all of the tropes, but I mean, that's a bit of a cop out cause it's more or less D and D. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I really like, I'm, I'm kind of more on the same side as, uh, as Halfton. Um, okay. So I haven't played the system, but I love the idea of the shadows of Estrin system. It's gorgeous. It's like this dark fantasy, like this frozen dark, like Scottish Highlands kind of fantasy, uh, sort of medieval horror type of thing. Well, not even horror, but just like sort of grim, um, medieval. Um, Stars Without Number, fantastic. Um, although it's very open, it doesn't have like a set setting, but the background storyline of that, the scream and knocking people back, like to various different time frames and that sort of thing, fantastic. Call of Cthulhu, really neat because that's sort of raw and you could really be anything. I'm a fan of history. So oftentimes I find that is really great too. And, and I've never played the system either, but I, I love the idea of the root RPG, root, like the based on the board game, just that sort of, light forest it's kind of cute on the outside and extremely dark the more you look into it so duan is has promised me a game of that and i'm going to hold him to it i love the board game amazing we'll have another controlled chaos uh towards the end of the month since that one isn't on the deck for this weekend's um there's a similar i mean so i feel like um you all have talked about how mechanics really draw you to the game looking for interesting worlds to play in or genres to play in. Are there other things that you look for in a game system when you're seeking out a new RPG to try out? And I'll throw this open to anyone who has something to add that hasn't already been said of our panelists. Yeah. So, I mean, like I've just, I, I basically look for, honestly, I, I'm such a sucker for and value. Shadows of Estrin have had on my shelf for almost four years now. And I keep wanting to do it. Uh, I have to admit, the layout of the book leaves something to be desired, but the art is so gorgeous that when I saw it, I was like, I absolutely have to run this game. And it kind of hit the notes that I was looking to hit for um, sort of dark, more realistic, gritty, a little bit. It's not a horror game, but it kind of could fit that. So that was a big thing. Honestly, I I don't look for anything in specific. I'm, I'm just much more of a fan of, like, I want to know that 
I can run a type of game of any sort. So I'm always kind of just looking for what I think suits my style of play best in any given um, scenario. That's why I like Shadows, uh, sorry, Stars Without Number is great because if you can play D&D, you can play Stars Without Number. It's like a way strip back D&D in, sp- in space. But something like Shadowrun doesn't really appeal to me because it's just so mechanically heavy. I don't feel like I, I want to put the effort in to learn so much, especially after playing Pathfinder for so many years, I've really found an appreciation for rules like stripped down systems. And that's a great segue into the next question. It seems like you all play a bunch of different sorts of games. What is your process for learning a new system? Do you watch it being played? Do you run a game? Do you pour over the rules? Um, Hafton, do you want to get us started with this question? For sure. So... My main game of choice is uh, the Burning Wheel, which a lot of people, when they look at it, really big rule book. Um, I think it's it's really tough to get into, um, but it's actually kind of broken down into a bunch of different steps. Um, when I approached that game, originally I was just so psyched about it. I just I literally read the thing like front to back, <laughs> um, and it was it was a good experience. It kind of made sense, but I have. Ex- experience reading like manuals and things like that and making sense of them in that sense. I've had a lot of luck with watching YouTube videos, um, people playing the games that I'm interested in seeing. Um, But I do find that watching those YouTube videos, it has helped reading the rules beforehand to kind of get a bit of a better grasp. And really knowing that, uh, like approaching all these new games, um, really come to it with a sense of, of interest like how what's the most interesting thing about this you know when when you see something that you're interested in you know you might learn about that and then suggest it to your friends and then your friends might get more interested about that and then try to show you about the game so um so yeah awesome uh josh do you have a process for learning a system well, here's my secret is that I don't actually really know how to play most systems. I just kind of learn about half of them and improvise for the rest. So that's my that's my deep, dark secret, even the ones that I've been playing for 20 years. That's how much I've really leaned into the rules like. But uh, so basically, in short, I read I read um, the rule books. I get a little bit of what's going on. I get I hit the, the main points and then I start making characters. I watch a little bit of. I watch a little bit of things on YouTube or, or on, um, you know, podcasts and that sort of thing. And then the rest is all, you know, uh, razzle dazzle, I guess, I'm just kind of going with things and making sense of things the most on the fly. So. Duan, do you have a special system for learning new games? Um, uh, not particularly. I, I think I mostly read them and uh, sometimes I watch uh, let, uh, actual plays on, on YouTube or whatever, um, but that's difficult. Um, I think I think it's it's hard to say like with, with most games like D&D, like heavier games like that, um, there really isn't that much of a substitution for having someone teach you the game because the rules are so dense and it's really hard for a new person who, who's coming completely cold to just be like, okay, let me read through this this book to get through the fun. Um, so personally, I think it's, it's, it's a really tough sell to get anyone to read, you know, along the book. 
And so you have to be there as as the game master who's or whoever the facilitator who is running this game. You've had to have done the reading for that. And you also have to be okay, like like Josh said, with not necessarily knowing all the rules off the bat um, and being confident enough to say, okay, look, I'm going to wing them if, if something comes up that I'm not sure of. And then we'll look at it afterwards just because, you know, you're not, you're not always going to get everything right, right off the bat. I agree with Juan on that. Like just getting the game to flow. If there's ever like a gap, say, I don't know, make a decision on the fly there and then figure it out between games is such a huge thing. I feel like that's a very liberating answer uh, that you don't have to know everything to get started playing these new games. And I like that you put responsibility on the players to help, you know, you carry forward when you don't know something. Um, awesome. This next question controversial based on the emojis that it has gotten in the chat. Uh, so I'll just read it, uh, but also I'll broaden it a little bit. D&D is super popular, so there's always players and DMs. Isn't it harder to find alternate games? especially? And there were several other questions about how do you get players interested in trying a new system? So I'll put those two questions together. Do you run up into a barrier where D&D is so popular people just want to play that? How do you find, um, how do you get people excited about different kinds of games? Duan, would you start us off on this one? Sure. So the answer to your question is yes, definitely. D&D is the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and it always will be, or at least it, it, for the foreseeable future it is. And so you're always going to have that friction when you uh, when you decide that I'm not going to be running D&D. Um, and I mean... I mean, that's something that, that I've always dealt with because, um, if you don't know, um, I, I run at, um, games at the Control of Chaos and I don't run D and D. I run basically everything else. So for example, right now I've got a game that's, that's open for six players. I've got two and we've got like three other D and D games and almost all of them are full. Right. So, so it's just more, more popular. Um, and that's just what you're going to have to deal with. And you have to be okay with that. And so um, the thing is, you have to um, get people interested in what the game is selling. And you have to become a bit of a salesman for that, right? Um, some games are going to be easier to sell, right? Because they have um, like a fun kind of uh, um, premise, right? So for example, there's a, there's a, a game like a one-pager game called Honey Heist, which I know a lot of you have heard of before. And it's just this game about being bears going on a heist. And it's not, you, you don't, you're not playing anthropomorphic bears necessarily. You're not, you're not playing in a world where bears have been uplisted. They're just bears. And that's a goofy enough, off-kilter enough uh, premise that a lot of people are, are really interested in. And they get the idea of it. But it's going to be like, it's not going to be serious, right? There's going to be lots of uh, bad puns, you know. <laughs> I see you, Eric. <laughs> and you're just going to have to bear with that, right? Uh, <laughs> so, and so that's what you're trying to do when, or at least that's what I try to do when I'm I'm pulling out different games. I've I've already the reason I'm running it is because I'm interested in that game, and so I want to try to bring other people to see what's interesting about that as well. And, and what helps for me a lot of the times is that a lot of the games are more rules light than, than D&D are anyway. So it's easier to like 
it's pretty easy to get people up and running as far as the rules go. Um, I'm not sure how how effective you can be with um, with a more rules heavy game. But for me, I would I would do a lot of scaffolding at the beginning anyway, like because I'd be like, okay, like for example, I'll always bring extra character sheets for everyone who has never played the game before, because I, I endeavor to try to make sure that it's always there's always an on ramp. So even if you come to my whatever you come to whatever game that I'm running, I'm going to always try to make sure that um, there's a minimum amount of cognitive load, um, so that you can just get into it there and start playing. Awesome. What about you, uh, Hafton? Do you have, how do you get new players interested in a system and do you find D&D to be a barrier to getting people interested in new systems? Um, yeah, so I do find D&D a, a bit of a barrier. Um, I basically agree totally with everything that Dwan uh, has said so far. Um, everyone does know Dungeons and & Dragons and it's kind of fun showing someone uh, an RPG that... Um, when they haven't experienced anything but Dungeons and Dragons, they're like, well, where's the D20s? Like, what, where are the dice? What's, is, is this even a role-playing game? Uh, and, uh, yeah, so there are so many games out there that are that are worth trying. But, yeah, it is just hard to, to sell to people. Um, having, having a bit of knowledge yourself, for sure, um, bringing character sheets. Um, if you have the opportunity um, to go to a, a convention, um, that's a great chance to run a game that you like um that might not be uh, like a common game for other people to play but that you know they can come to the convention and, and try to play it with you um yeah it is kind of funny that D seems to have tons of rules and yet it is the game that most people just gravitate towards because it's just part of our ethos so much um, Josh, is there um, anything you found? Has D&D been a barrier to you? How do you get players excited about a new system? Yes and no. I, I'm going to say D&D. I, I love what D&D's done. It's great. It's made the, it's made the entirety of the RPG industry. Um, well, it's, it's in a golden age, really. I mean, and the way I see it is, you know, Critical Role and, and all of these D&D games they bring millions of players in, and if even five percent of those people try something new, that's good for somebody like uh, like myself who likes different games, right? So um, it's funny that D and D. I know it has recognition as kind of in pop culture and stuff like that, though. But it is on the spectrum of more difficult games um, and tolerant. There's a lot more going on in D and D than than a lot of games, uh, at least the ones that I run. Now. The thing is, is uh, getting people interested is is one of the harder things because I, I, I've struggled a little bit with getting people to, well, first off, learning something new is, is often a pretty, you know, tiresome process for a lot of people. So my strategy is less, let's sit down and talk about the rules for the first 30 minutes. I'm going to say, here's the basics of the rules. Here's the main points to hit. We'll figure them out as we go. And like, I'm going to tell you what you need to do as we do it. Um, so that's sort of what I've been trying to do um, with those types of things. But like getting somebody else interested, I would say one of the best ways of doing it is, is just try to hit the media that that game associates with. If I'm trying to get people interested in Stars Without Number, I might say, hey, did you ever want to kind of try something in the vein of Star Wars or, or Firefly or something like that? Or or like Call of Cthulhu might be like that. A horror or a noir or something like that and just be like 
hey, did you like this movie? Did you like Cabin in the Woods? Because if you like Cabin in the Woods, you could maybe enjoy Call of Cthulhu, that sort of thing. And I always try it with a one-shot. I never make people commit to a long game. So you try one shot. If you like it, then I would encourage you to maybe try something a little bit longer. But yeah, um, that's the greatest thing about Control Chaos is you can kind of dip your toes into different systems and you can see what works. And well, I mean, not even what works, but like what suits what you're looking for and what doesn't. So you, you mentioned that you start with one shots uh, to get to see if there's going to be enough interest and to try to generate interest. Um, people have a sense of what a campaign looks like in Dungeons and Dragons, or many people do. Would you say that there's an average link to a crowd-pleasing campaign in a non-D&D system? It depends. You could have, um, well, I'm running a massive Nyarlathotep campaign right now. It's a gigantic world-spanning um, adventure for Call of Cthulhu that... Um, and this is a pre-written module, obviously. It's, it's one of the, the highest-rated modules of all time. Uh, we're going to be going on a year, I think, in November. Um, so I, I would say I would say it's probably at equal in length to a Pathfinder or a D&D-related campaign. Um, certain systems don't lend themselves as well. Some systems are much better for a one-shot or a shorter campaign. But really, um, you can make it into whatever you want, like a lot of systems. If you're writing your own game, what's to stop you from doing whatever you want? That's half the fun of RPGs, right? Absolutely. Um, and just so if uh, I'm skipping over some of the questions that are about like game recommendations, we'll come back to those. We're going to stick with some of these questions about the aspects of systems uh, for right now. So our, our next question, and I'll throw this to you, Hafton. Uh, have you ever bought a system thinking it would satisfy all your requirements, but then found out in actual play that it just didn't work for some reason? What was the system and what was the hurdle? For sure, yeah. Um, I recently purchased the um, Alien RPG um, from Free League Publishing. Um, so really beautiful game. Um, a lot of uh, background information in the rule book. Um, it flushes out a lot of stuff for um, uh, like character classes and spaceships and space combat and um, you know dealing with aliens and all that kind of stuff. But uh, there was one mechanic that just kind of fell flat a little bit at the table. Um, and that was um, like the, uh, I think it was called the horror, not horror mechanic. Um, but basically you end up with a whole bunch of stress dice. And eventually um, you roll those stress dice. If you get ones on the stress dice, then um, your character um, has a reaction. And um, specifically the way that that mechanic was written, it actually ended up um, you know, you take damage, you look on the chart. Okay. Yep. You roll your dice again. Okay. You look on the chart and it just kind of compounded like that. So I think there's something to be said for finding games that just have, um, like well-written mechanics, um, and are, are play tested really well. Um, so in this specific instance, obviously I'm picking on alien the RPG. Um, and I think there is a way that you can use that mechanic, um, in a good way, but, uh, when I approached it, I think the first thing that I thought of was, hey, I want to I want to hack this. I want to try something different like uh, than the way it's actually written in the book. And that almost um, gets at this, uh, another question, which I'll go ahead and ask now if you want to add anything to what you just said. In your continued gaming experience, have you found that you now prefer crunchy rule systems over more streamlined, simple mechanics? 
Perhaps you have found the opposite. Would be interested in any reasons for the change of view either way, with examples if possible. Yeah, um, I, I take issue with terms like crunchy rule, um, just because some people say that Dungeons and Dragons is simple. But when I look at that, I see a very crunchy rule system. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of getting past that, um, I think I've just I, I have seen a lot of different games out there, read a lot of different games. And I, I go back to the games that are just well written. Um, and I, I find the communities um, that understand how those mechanics are uh, meant to be portrayed and then kind of um, try to play those games until I understand the rules. And then I, I've had really good luck with that. And I'm specifically talking about the Burning Wheel. It's been an awesome experience for me. Awesome. So there's a recommendation. I hope someone's writing down all the recommendations. Uh, good thing this is being recorded. Um, Josh, have you ever bought a system thinking it would hit all the ticks, but then found it to have a hurdle? Yeah, so I definitely have. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out now. I haven't gotten to the, I, it. I haven't even gotten to the point of it being something that I played, and maybe it would change. But I just I couldn't get my head around it, and I wanted to love it because I thought the idea was so completely unique. Uh, it's called Dialect, another game that I bought because it's absolutely gorgeous and won at any. Um, and basically, it is a game about you being an isolated something. You could be like a, a Martian colonist that are separated from Earth or a tribe in the Amazon or something. And you build a language. That's the entirety of the game. You build a language. Uh, you go through generations, continuing to build the language. And the language is like this living thing. I wanted to love it because it's so unique. And, and I still might if I ever get a chance. But I just couldn't really get my head around how it worked a hundred percent and how to keep players dynamically engaged. Um, it, it obviously does work because it's won, won awards and that sort of thing, but I just, I couldn't get my head around that. And I also couldn't really find a lot of YouTube videos uh, to, to watch and see how it plays. To be honest with you, um, the only YouTube video that I could find was like really poorly done, which is the majority of YouTube videos to be perfectly honest. So it was very grating to try to figure out what exactly was happening. What about you, Duan? Uh, has there been a system that you thought would really work, but then just had a, a hurdle that you couldn't get over? Um, the, the one that, that comes to mind recently uh, for me was, um, I think it was also a freely game game, um, but it was, uh, what's it called? Uh, Coriolis, which is sort of this um, Arabian Nights uh, kind of crossed with Firefly. So it's like um, sci-fi, but with a very like Arabian Nights Arabic um, gloss to it. And we found that um, the... The mechanics didn't really do anything to really um, distinguish it really from from D and D, so we were like, "Well, I don't really know." Like, it seems like you could have done things to make this game stand out and pop and be like, "Okay, yes," um, because we are, you know, we're playing this game. Um, we could have done things differently, but it seemed like it was just, and that might have just been come down to the the module we ran and. Um, but we didn't really see anything that was just, it was like, well, you you put a coat of paint over a regular Star Wars game or something like that. 
and so that was just a little disappointing. So it felt it fell flat that way. And maybe we'll take a bit more into this question. Um, and Josh and Duan, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say about this preference between crunchy rule systems to use the questions language or more streamlined mechanics. And we had another question about player perspectives. Have you found that players tend to like the rule light uh, systems more or less? Do you find that having a lot of D&D experience um, shapes how a player will approach a rules-heavier rule light system? I think... So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So for the crunchy versus streamlined, I, I prefer um, streamlined for the most part. Um, I appreciate when um, rules are like they drive towards a narrative um, and help that along. But sometimes it feels like you just have a lot of extra rules that aren't really doing very much. They're not they're not really um, contributing that much. And so they're really just taking up a lot of headspace. And you're like, why, why do I have to remember this when it comes up so very, um, you know, rarely? Um, and so so that's that's how I would go with that. Um, sorry, you go ahead, yeah. Josh. Josh? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know what? They both have their place, honestly. I think my preference is definitely more towards rules light systems now. Um, because I, I just had some experiences, like, with Pathfinder. Like, I, one thing that really stands out to me is one time just figuring out that they had, like, eight different types of vision, and that really just kind of broke me, and I was like, is this necessary or is this just like a symptom of extreme bloat? And that's kind of what I got at. And I really realized that you don't need to have a rule for everything, right? Like it's theater of the mind works just, just fine. Um, but that being said, sometimes it's great to play Pathfinder like, or D and D because I'll, I'll be straight up. They have some of the best modules, um, Pathfinder's modules, at least are second to none in my opinion. Um, it's just a bloated system. And uh, sometimes if you want to play like, like a video game style game, D&D and, and Pathfinder really hit those notes. But if I want to play a video game, oftentimes I would just play a video game. And I'm, I'm kind of looking more for like the collaborative storytelling. But this isn't a hate on those games because they really, like they really do hit those notes and they hit those notes well. It's just a preference thing for me. I think we'll move into some of the questions that are more about like types of games. Um, although I will say that uh, someone pointed out that another great way to learn games is to listen to live play actual uh, podcasts, not just uh, videos. And I know I, for one, am learning a lot about Acquisitions Incorporated from listening to Alpha's uh, Gold and Glory podcast. So we'll throw that out there as another tool that GMs can use to learn new systems. Okay, so we've got a bunch of questions about like what are your suggestions for certain kinds of games. I'll just read a couple of these questions and I'll throw up this to um, Duan first. Uh, so one question, someone asked about the best gaming system. I don't feel like you should be compelled to choose one best gaming system, but you can if you want. Um, but there's also other questions. Have there been alternative systems that you found just to be the most fun for you and your players to explore? What were some of the features that made them really fun? Um, are there certain RPGs that are new player friendly and may appeal to people who find the idea of playing to be really intimidating? Maybe we'll start with those. Uh, the most fun you've had, the best game, if you want to uh, make such a bold statement, and games that are really new player friendly. 
Yes, the best game is my game. You should all go to the store and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, obviously, um, games do different things for different people. And so there isn't, I don't really believe that there's any one best game or else, you know, I would just go and play that all the time instead of trying something new every week. Um, but uh, there are some games that I prefer that to others. And um, a lot of that has to do with um, being, they tend to be more freeform. They focus more on the narrative. Um, so that that's more in what we, we call nowadays story games, which are, you know, games that, like I said, focus more on the narrative. Um, hence the reason why I, I run a lot of um, Powered by the Apocalypse, which are games that are based off, off of um, Apocalypse World. And so Apocalypse World was very um, similar to like the, the setting was was is like Fallout or Mad Max or the like, but um, it had a lot of freedom um, for you to, to define um, the world. And um, so going back to what Half Done was saying earlier, like a lot of times you make your own setting. So um, basically every time you play um, a new a new game of uh apocalypse world you could create a new setting and the only things that will be the same is that it's some kind of weird apocalypse where you know things are um uh you're you're in the apocalypse so there's there's wants there's star starvation and the scarcity um and then it's it's branched off into a lot of other games um and because it focuses more on um, like the genre expectations of of the game, rather than just the mechanical of let's let's um, set up a tactical um, encounter to fight, you know, some magical creature. Um, they're they're able to to get really creative with the rules. So you have games that are about um, that you could basically run, uh, you know, teenage monsters uh, dealing with. Um, possibly being queer. You, you've got games that are about uh, social revolution, um, games about teenage superheroes, uh, games about... Being uh, a bunny. Playing, playing a bunny. Um, yeah. Playing, <laughs> or a bear, like Honey Heist. Yeah. And so, so, just so. And so you have a whole bunch of games like that, and um, that's more on the end where I find myself nowadays. But, I mean, I still have... Like I did play D and D for a number of years, um, and you know I was really familiar with with third, um, and you know, like you know I, I spent a lot of time on it. So like everyone else here is saying, I don't hate D and D. I just don't play it as much anymore because there's just so much else out there um, that I've kind of gotten a little bored of the bit, and I'm just um, stretching other other muscles um, to try different things. So what's really speaking to you now is is narrative. Uh, what about you, Hafton? Have there been any games that you think are the most fun for you and players to explore? A best gaming system, a really new player-friendly system? Yeah, yes, well, I definitely have an answer to all those questions. But I just wanted to expand on what uh, Duan was talking about. Um, uh, like when you're looking for a new game to play, um, oftentimes you're coming at it from a direction of like, well, I have this problem with Dungeons and Dragons. How do I, um, how do I address it with this new game? Um, so, 
yeah, there are so many games out there. So just finding that game that, that addresses that, that problem um, is, is so important. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know, if, if I was to say a bad game, like I, I love Burning Wheel, it does so much, but that's totally a personal thing. Um, I found it hits like my, my narrative my interest very well. Um, but uh, there are a lot of different games that other people might say are the best game in the world. So 100% just try as many games as you possibly can and eventually you'll find the one that's best for you. Um, in terms of games that are best for um, new character or new players, um, I've had the best experience just yeah with the one-page uh, games. Uh, rules light, that kind of thing. Um, it's just because it's easier for a player coming to the table that has no experience with the rules to just pick up on it and, and uh, do what you want. But generally, if you have someone that, uh, or a game master that knows the rules really well, um, we'll be able to translate what the player says that they want to do into um, the mechanics of the game. And then if that kind of converges where the mechanics of the game are also fun and match what the player wants to do, then usually that means that that's a good game. And it speaks to Duan's earlier point about scaffolding. So like if you've got something that seems a little bit complicated, if you provide the scaffolding for it, it helps players to it. Uh, Josh, did you have any recommendations for games that you think have been particularly fun for you and players to explore, new player-friendly games, or even want to throw out there a best game? Sure. So I, I don't think that there's such a thing as a best game. As has been said, it depends on the genre you want to do, but really what it comes down to is the people you're playing with. Um, I could be playing the worst game system in the world, but if everybody's bought in and everybody's having a great time and then just vibing off of each other, it, it, it's not the system, it's the people, right? And that's like a big thing of RPGs. But that being said, um, I, I would say it depends, right? So a new player... I'd have to vibe it out. So I would say like a game of 10 candles where you have it. It's done in one night. Your character sheet is literally cue cards as you go. And it's not rules. It is just pool of dice. You either succeed or you don't. And it's more of collaborative storytelling. But that also pulls people that maybe are like really wary of having a lot of input into storytelling and maybe making them nervous. If I was asking somebody to say, come off of DD, I would do the step back from DD, where it's close enough to DD that you can understand it, but you can see that you don't necessarily need all of the same rules. I would say step back to a, um, a uh, Stars Without Number, for example, or an OSR game in general. Um, but um, my personal favorite system right now, and I think it is so easy because it's just, it's there's no targets to hit. You either succeed or you don't. Right now it's Call of Cthulhu. I know it's a bit of a cop-out because it's the game that I run, but I really think the system is light, but it hits all the notes that it needs to hit very well. Um, you don't need to you don't need to focus so much on those rules. You just need to know what your target numbers are, and then everything else is, is narrative. Do you have, um, and we can start this question with Duan, do you have a system in mind that stands out for having really rich environments and compelling character development? Speaking to some of those narrative high points. Well, I mean, a lot of the games that I play nowadays are, are kind of light on setting in that a lot of the setting you have to create on your own, right? So, for example, on um, Saturday, I'm running um, Pasión de, de las Pasiones, 
which is a game about playing um, your own telenovela. And um, the idea is that you're creating your own um, show, that a fictional show, and you'll be running, playing one of the many um, characters within this, this Latin American soap opera. Um, so you can, you can go in a lot of different directions with that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's up to a lot of collaboration with all of the other players to say, okay, this is what we're into right now. Um, so the setting, that setting could be extremely rich and could, um, come up with some really interesting characters. Um, right now I'm also running an apocalypse world game where we have characters that are like, um, you know, uh, um, shout out to uh, Alpha, but there's like, you know, um, a maitre d' who basically runs the bar and who's named Papa Legba. And he has all these little characters that are running around that are not only running a bar for him, but are also his spy network. And I mean, <laughs> hey, that's really- inside info, man. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that was insider info. <laughs> Anyways, spoiler alert. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Man, you just ruined my whole thing. We'll edit edit this out. So, so, I mean, you can make... So, sorry about that. No, no, it's okay. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, basically, uh, what I'm saying is that people can make um, very rich and interesting characters that are just like, you know, they'll be memorable in years to come. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely remember this character. Um, even though we didn't sit down at the beginning and, and okay, everyone go through my, my setting Bible for you to see, um, to know about all my cool characters like Elminster and whatnot. And again, that sounds like a bashing DD, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to just kind of build on that. It's just as a side note, powered by the apocalypse is just a general system, sort of like savage worlds, but they have sort of skins what a fantastic system for like session zeros where everybody gets together and they, they, we all pool your ideas of what you're looking for from the game. I absolutely love that with the powered by apocalypse systems. Um, it's so fun just building that setting at the beginning. So you're suggesting getting players together, learning the system, but then kind of choosing a setting based on that session zero? No, so powered by the apocalypse, and I'm sorry, uh, Duan would certainly be better at explaining this to me, but you'll have a So powered by the apocalypse is just a general system, and they have different games within that system that use that rule set. So Apocalypse World, Passion is one, The War, and uh, Night Witches, all sorts of games. So they have different rules and moves. But session one, there's a bunch of questions, prompting questions that'll say, how do you have a relationship to these people? Tell us a little bit more about this. And um, just the whole session is just everybody having a big conversation, bouncing. So you come into the first game, the first session, the first playing session, already having background between the characters. And I find it's as fun as the game, personally. Okay, excellent. Um, Here's a question, too, about speaking to um, not necessarily new players, but players who are shy. Um, It seems like storytelling games have been popular among our panelists tonight, but storytelling-focused games require more comfort with role-playing, which could be harder for some people, perhaps they're more introverted or shy. Do you have workarounds for this to help make players more comfortable if they are shy? Captain, do you want to start? Sure, yeah. There are some games um, that are out there that 
are kind of the crossover between like role-playing games and say board games. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a board game called uh, 1001 Nights. Um, I think I got that name right, but uh, uh, you're um, basically it's a board game. You have pieces and you know, you take turns and, and all that kind of stuff, but your turn is effectively you roll the dice, you move to a certain space based on the space that you end up, you look through a book and then that book gives you a scenario that you actually play through. So it, it um, it's good for shy people in the sense that, um, you know, it, the spotlight is on you for that turn. It's just like a board game. There's nothing crazy about that. And, you know, the, uh, the person reading the situation to you presents it to you. You choose from a list of options. So you don't have to really think outside the box so much, but you can, you know, have a bit of fun with it and like describe um, your choice. And then, uh, so that, that's kind of like a, um, I guess one way that I would suggest, uh, um, getting, um, shy people into it. And then I, I think the other thing that I want to mention too, is like being a shy person myself, um, you know, finding game masters that share the spotlight, um, you know, when everyone else who's, uh, like all the players that, um, love to talk have said what their characters are doing when the game master, you know, go turns to the player that hasn't spoken and says, Hey, what you know? What is your character doing, or what would you like to do while while doing that? I find that um, really really helpful. That's a trick up my sleeve. I love to do that all the time because oftentimes there's usually a couple characters that are very like, or, or folks that just they they get excited, they really they get the spotlight, and it's not really an intentional thing. But yeah, always just try to make sure everybody's included. It's the one on one rule of just read the room, right? Read body language, read the room. Excellent. There, we, we've talked about several different kinds of systems. Um, we've talked a bit about Powered by the Apocalypse, which is you know a kind of range of um, different games with one system that you mentioned. Uh, Josh and Duan, we've talked about diceless games. Uh, Hafton, you just had that example of the kind of crossover between an RPG and a game. Are there other sorts of genre of games thinking in terms of like the mechanics or the rules? that you want to throw out there and mention for people to consider and, or any, and any strengths and weaknesses that people might want to think about with those games. Duan, do you want to start with this one? Sure. So um, there, there are other games. Like I, I think broadly um, they tend to break down into either more towards being more narrative and um, focus more on story and more traditional, which is like the D and D kind of, branch of stuff but um like for example of another kind of game quote-unquote system there's fate out there which um uses uh even funnier dice than we're used to where um they look like d6s but you've got um a couple of pluses on on two of the sides a couple of minuses on two of the sides and basically you you roll and add up the pluses and minuses and add that to your score um, and, uh, they have other things that are like basically player, player defined traits where you, uh, you basically say, I've got an aspect which says I'm the strongest guy in the world. And if you, when you, um, invoke that aspect, you can do stuff that, res um, that, uh, relates to that. So that means that without having that, um, set up before the game has started, you can um, really customize who your character is and that, that'll have some impact in the narrative. 
Um, there's a number of games like Lasers and Feelings, which is another game that's really light. Um, and then there's been a lot of hacks off of that. And basically that game is just like you have one stat and there are two things, two, basically two um, like Lasers and Feelings. Those are the two stats. One of them has to do with um, being cold and calculating and, you know, lasers, shooting stuff. And the other one is about feelings, being passionate and um and full-blooded and like the for that one the the setting is mostly like a basically a star trek ripoff and um there's been people who have made plenty of games just based off of that having that dichotomy of these two different things so those are two two systems out there that there there are literally hundreds so um we could be here all day So different ways of parsing games, rules light, rules heavy, narrative focused versus a more traditional balance between maybe a narrative and combat. Yeah, um, absolutely. Any other kinds of different sorts of games, ways to think about categories of games, uh, Josh or Hafton, that you want to weigh in on? Yeah, so I mean, you get your basics, your rules light, you get your narrative storytelling, collaborative storytelling, that sort of thing. I don't think that... Uh, you know what? And I'll say it again, we're living in a golden age. And I, I attribute that strictly to D&D. I mean, obviously, independent creators and stuff like that. But the when it, I, I now I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's something like a, a rising tide lifts all boats or something like that. Isn't that sort of the saying? And that's really it. And that's directly attributed to D&D. So that's that's great. Um, but uh, um, in terms of systems, it's just there's something for everyone. There, you can really dig deep into like the weird and the wacky. You can dig, like, it gets, it's so big at this point that you could find a movie and you could find an RPG that is almost a perfect fit for that. There's something for everybody. You just need to kind of dip your toes in, step away from your comfort zone, and just kind of go, just go for it, you know? So we're coming to the end of our session. So we'll do one thunder round. So you get a one word answer to the next question. Uh, round Robin, everybody. We'll start with Hafton. Do you recommend that DMs cut their teeth on D&D before they try alternate systems? Not necessarily. <laughs> uh, that was two words, but I'll allow it. Duan? We only have one word? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh. I'm sorry. I was. Just, I just checked chat. What was the question again? Sorry. Do you think DMs should cut their teeth on D and D before they try alternate systems? Yes or no? Why not? Whatever works for you. That is also not a one-word answer, but I will. Um, I'd really like to thank everyone for coming. It's unfortunately nine o'clock. I'm sorry that we didn't get to all the questions. Uh, this was super fun for me. So thank you all for being here. Um, our next seminar is GMing 701, a good game from a player's perspective. That's on July 16th. And then on July 27th, which is a Monday, we have uh, GMing 801, Living, Breathing, Dynamic NPCs. And on July 28th, we have our book club. So please come back to other um, sessions in our seminar series and join our book club. Thank you so much uh, for coming, for your questions, and thank you to our panelists. Thank you for hosting and thank you for everybody coming out. Yeah. Uh, check out those check out those videos that got posted. There's some South Skorkowski ones. Uh, Halfton just sent. I'm not sure who this is from. Rim DeCoster, I guess. But uh, yeah, just some some videos. 
Just and, videos about this topic, getting people into new games, learning new systems. It's great. And if awesome. we if we could have a special shout out to Katie, this was her first uh, you know chance at, at moderating, and she's been doing a lot of uh, uh, DMing and GMing lately. So really want to say, hey, congratulations! Really well done. Thank you for leading us all through the discussions. Um, yeah, just just awesome. So. Oh, thank you. Maybe you would say I'm like your first graduate. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, guys. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for hosting this. Um, take care, guys. Thanks. Yeah, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.